chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. I'm going to read it to you. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Say, I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also has laid hold of me. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I only do one thing. I forget what's behind, I reach for what's ahead, and I press toward the mark. And he says, that's one thing. Father, today, speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Good to see all of you here today. Welcome to Lineage Church. We're in the middle of our Unstuck series. Is this week three or four? This is week four of our Unstuck series. I want to talk to you today about a young lady by the name of Diane Van Buren. Diane Van Buren. Diane Van Buren was just your average, everyday mother, wife, homemaker, Every morning she got up and got the kids ready for school and she drove them to school and she dropped them off and then she went around town and ran her errands, came home and took care of the house and then went and picked up the kids and brought them home and then made dinner for the family. She was your average housewife, mother, that was her life until one day she had a seizure and she began to have seizures regularly. She went to the hospital to the doctor and They diagnosed her with epilepsy, and it was pretty dangerous because sometimes she would have a seizure when she was driving the kids to school. Sometimes she would have a seizure when she was cooking over a hot stove. Sometimes she would have a seizure when she was swimming in the pool or when she was in the bathtub, and it was dangerous. One day, she felt a seizure coming on, and she had just put on some running shoes. She was thinking of going for a run. And uh, she decided to just run. She felt the seizure coming on, and there was this instinct in her that just said, run. And she went outside, and she started running. They lived in kind of a wooded area. So she took off running through the woods. And lo and behold, after about 20 minutes of running, that sensation of the seizure coming on, it dissipated. She had outrun the seizure. So she decided to keep her running shoes nearby, and every time she felt a seizure coming on, she would slip into them and just run. And at first, she only had to run 20 minutes, then it was 30, and then 45, and then an hour, and then an hour and a half, and then two hours. And then the seizures started to hit her before she could even get her running shoes on. And then it got to the point where she would sometimes even run for two hours and still have a seizure. She couldn't run fast enough to outrun her oppression. Some of you are in that situation right now that you thought you figured out how to outrun it, but the thing that you thought you outrun has begun to catch up with you and overtake you. So she goes back to her doctor and said, you gotta find another option for me. The doctor said, there's only one thing we can do. We've gotta isolate the part of your brain where the seizures transpire, and then we have to surgically remove that part of your brain. So that's dangerous because everybody's brain is different. 
Speech is in one part of my brain, it's in another part of your brain. So you never know what you're taking out when you take out a part of the brain. So they did the test, they had her there in the hospital, and she had a seizure there, they had electrodes connected to every part of her brain, and the place in her brain where the seizures were transpiring lit up. They said, we've located the seizures, we can proceed with the surgery. And they did. They took out a chunk of her brain the size of a kiwi fruit. Now they said after the surgery, they said, we don't really know what the ramifications of this are, so you just have to stick with us and let us know how you're doing. She made what she believed to be a complete recovery. She went back home and went back to her life. She found that she could wake up in the morning and make breakfast for her kids, no seizures. She could drive them to school, no seizures. She could come home and clean the house and make dinner, no seizures. She can drive back to school and pick them up, no seizures. She thought that she had made a 100% recovery yeah. until her family had an intervention. And they sat her down and they said, Mom, you're different. She said, I am? They said, yes, you are. She said, well, how am I different? They said, well, we haven't been to school on time once since your surgery. And sometimes we're hours late to school. You haven't been there to pick us up on time once since your surgery, and sometimes you're hours late to pick us up. We never know where you're going to be or how long you're going to be there. Secondly, you've gotten lost taking us to school multiple times, and you've gotten lost coming to pick us up multiple times. So she took all of this information back to her doctors along with her family, and what they discovered was that in the surgery she lost two things. First thing she lost was spatial reasoning. Maps from that day forward just looked like gibberish to her. Second thing she lost was her experience of time. She didn't know the difference between one minute and one year. She had no concept of time. So now the family had to try to figure out how to live with this new mom, this new Diane Van Buren. But she still had this urge to run, so she started just going for runs every day. And she would run and run and run, and she didn't know how long she was running. Testing, one, two, three. Testing. Testing, one, two, three. Can you guys, but my mic's not on, so they can't hear me. Can, I know you can hear my voice, but they can't hear me on the live stream without a microphone. They, they can hear me? Okay, all right, praise the Lord. So one day she decides, I think I want to sign up for a marathon. So she signs up for a marathon, and she wins first place in that marathon. She says, that's, that's interesting. I think I want to try a double marathon. So she signs up for a double marathon. And she wins that double marathon. She said, I think I want to try a 100-mile race. So she signs up for a 100-mile race. And she wins that 100-mile race. And then she decided, I want to do ultra marathons, 100-mile races from now on, but I'm going to do them in the worst terrain I can possibly find. So she did one in sub-zero temperature. And it took 10 days. And she was the only one who finished. She did one in the middle of a desert and she won first place. 
So she's like, I got a gift. She started traveling all over the world and running in these marathons, and she started winning. And I, I was watching this interview with her, and they were asking her, they said, do you think your surgery gave you an advantage? She goes, no, my surgery gave me a disadvantage. She said, think about it, in a 100-mile race, if you can't read a map, she says, do you know how sometimes I spend days trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go? They said, well, how do you find your way? She said, I keep a pocket full of ribbons. And whenever I come to a fork in the road where there's more than one choice, I put a ribbon down and I take that road. And if it seems like after a while this is not the way, I come all the way back until I find the ribbon and then I choose the next road. So there were a couple of races where she won second place and it was because she was lost for a couple days. And then she goes, wait a minute. I think I did have one, ex one advantage though. She said, I didn't realize it until I was in the middle of this 100-mile race in sub-zero temperature, and there was just a few of us left, and we were sleeping in this tent, and one of the girls said, oh my God, we've been out here for six days already. And it dawned on me that I didn't even know that. Yeah. I don't know the difference between six minutes and six days. As far as I knew, we had just left. And she said, yeah, I think the fact that I have no concept of the experience of time allows me to keep running when everybody else quits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a literal ability to forget what was behind her, yeah. reach for what was ahead yeah. so that she could press toward the mark. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which indicates to me that what often stops us from pressing toward the mark is our memory of past pain. Yeah, yeah. Our memory of how long we've been at this thing. Yeah. Our memory of how many times we tried and failed. Yeah. Our memory of how many muscle tears and broken bones we've experienced. Yeah. Our memory of how many people betrayed us and turned their back. Our memory of how many people walked away from us. Our memory of, of how much heartbreak we've endured and, and how, how many things we've had to go through when we, we're so conscious of the memory of all of the pain that we've experienced that we come to a, a moment in time where it's, I just can't take this anymore. Yep. Yep. But Diane Van Buren has the power of simply being in the present. Wow. Yeah. She says, wherever I am, I'm just there. Wow. I forget what's behind me. I'm just here right now. And she says, all I do is every race, I get out there and I just start running. And all I'm thinking is left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. I'm not out there thinking, man, there's been a lot of left foots and a lot of right foots. I have no clue how many there's been. This is this might be the first one. Now, do you look at the life of this guy that we call the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote the book of Philippians? Nobody went through more hardship and struggle than him, save maybe Jesus Christ himself. I mean, he gave his life to serve the churches, and many of them turned their backs on him. He gave his life to try to win the Jews for Jesus, and they were constantly trying to kill him. He was a Roman citizen, but he was often beaten by Rome and imprisoned for no reason and denied his rights. But he said, there's one skill that I've learned. That allows me to keep on going. And if you read the book of 2 Corinthians, you begin to see the laundry list of stuff he went through. How many times he was beaten and left for dead. How many times he was given 40 lashes minus one, which is supposed to kill you. 
How many days and nights he spent out in the deep, clutching onto a piece of a broken ship, not knowing if he was going to survive. How many times he was betrayed and rejected. But he said, I've got one skill. I've got one fundamental skill, one thing that I've learned how to do. And then he names three things. In actuality, if you look at the context of those verses, the one thing is verse 14. But the two things prior in verse 13 explains how he does the one thing. Look at verse 14 again. He says in verse 14, as soon as it comes up on the screen, I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. The one thing I do is press toward the mark of the high calling. But the way that I do it is I forget what's behind me and I reach for what's ahead of me. I forget those things behind. And if you look at the context of that passage, when he says, I forget what's behind and I reach for what's ahead, what he means is it's impossible to reach for what's behind and what's ahead at the same time. Meaning every moment I spend reaching back into the past, I remember what she said to me in the seventh grade. And if you actually stop and think about it, it hits you at the most inopportune moments, doesn't it? As soon as you sit down to work on a memo that you have to send to the members of your team, all of a sudden, a memory disrupts that memo. Wait a minute. Eighth grade. Mrs. So-and-so, I remember what she said about that project that I did, and the next thing I know, I'm reaching backward. When he said, I forget what's behind, and I reach for what's ahead, the word for reach, do you know what it means? It means to stretch. It means I'm stretching towards what's ahead. I cannot stretch forward and backward at the same time. To dwell on what has transpired before requires me to stretch. I've got to stretch to reach backward. To reclaim the memories of past hurt, I've got to stretch. But to reach forward, I also have to stretch. And he said, I've discovered that I can't stretch in both directions at the same time. I have to choose which way am I going to stretch today. And often it's stretching to the past that stops you from stretching to the present. I reach for what's ahead, and then he said, and I press. We need to play that Fred Hammond song again. Don't play it. I press. I press, which means literally to strive, to pursue, or to chase. I'm chasing what's ahead of me. But in order to do it, I'm forgetting what's behind me. How do you do that? How do you do that? If you talk to brain scientists, what they will, des- they will describe the state that Diane Van Buren was in all the time, they'll describe that state as a state of flow. Flow state, actually the first person to talk about the flow state was a scientist by the name of Abraham Maslow. 
Maslow's the guy who gave us the hierarchy of human needs. He's the guy who said that the basic human need is food and shelter, and that the second level need is safety and security. Then the third level need is love and acceptance. The fourth level need is self-confidence. And then the fifth level need is self-actualization. Self-actualization is simply when you, are, you step into the realm in which you can fulfill your potential. But he said that you don't become conscious of the next level need until you satisfy the bottom level need. So in other words, if you got no food and shelter, you're not aware of your need for love and acceptance. Yeah. I just need some food. Yeah. I mean, if you're starving to death and somebody says, come here, give me a hug. Let me give you a hug. I don't need no hug. I need a hamburger. I'll hug you if you got French fries in your pocket. I don't need a hug. I need a place to live. I learned this when we, my wife and I were working in the inner city right out of seminary, and there were these kids in, in this area, and I was trying to talk to them about their future, and none of them wanted to hear it, and I began to realize at a certain point, I can't talk to them about their future, I got to talk to them about their food, because yeah. some of these kids don't even know what they're going to eat tonight. I can't talk to them about their future when they got no shelter. I can't talk to them about their future. Self-actualization is the realm of your future, but if you got no self-confidence and no love and acceptance and no safety and security and no food and shelter, you're not even aware of your need for those things. But when Maslow began to describe what it's like to get to the self-actualization level, he described it as a state of flow. Here's how he described self-actualization. You discover the thing that you were born to do, and then you lose yourself in it. Reckless abandon. You pursue it with reckless abandon. Wow. To the extent you know you've lost yourself in it when you forget about the time. Wow. Yeah. Where hours can go by yeah. and you don't even know it. Yeah. Where you forget that you were hungry. Wow. And you look back at the end of the day and you go, oh, I didn't even eat today. Wow. I didn't even think about food. What happens in a state of flow is that the self-monitoring part of your brain shuts down. Wow. What's self-monitoring? When self-monitoring is active, that part of your brain is scanning you. How am I doing? How am I feeling? Does my foot hurt? Does my toe hurt? I know my ankle was hurting earlier. Is it still hurting right now? How am I doing? Do I have enough to eat? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Are my eyes dry? Do I have enough lotion on? Are people looking at me? Do I have a booger? Is my fly unzipped? How are my shoes? Are people judging my shoes? Did they notice I got the same shoes as my brother who led worship today? Do they like what I'm doing? Do they not like what I'm doing? Are they enjoying this sermon? Are they not enjoying this sermon? Maybe, maybe, this, maybe I'm missing people. Maybe I got them. That's self-monitoring. Yeah. All I'm doing is thinking about me. Yeah. But when you hit that flow state, that self-monitoring part of the brain shuts off. A painter stands at his canvas and loses himself in the paint and the canvas, and he stops self-monitoring. He's just in the state of flow where all he's thinking is left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, or left brush, right brush, up, down, side to side, wax on, wax off, whatever he's thinking, right? A musician sits down at his instrument or her instrument and loses herself in the act of practice and creation. A coder sits at his computer and gets locked into the code. And 12 hours later, he comes out. He was in a flow state. Wow. Paul literally says, I live in a flow state. I live in this state of flow. Where I couldn't think about what's behind me if I tried. I figured out what it is that God has for me to do, and I lose myself in it every day. 
And I can't come out to be mad at you. Can't come out to be bitter at you. I can't even come out to think about you. Because to think about you, I'd have to stretch that. And I tend to stumble in the direction that I stretch. Which means that forgiveness is the most powerful productivity hack that you could ever discover. Oh, you've got all kind of spreadsheets on your computer and schedules that you've derived and you've got, you know, you've got a thing that beeps every 90 seconds so that you can go to another task and you've got do not disturb on your door so you can focus and you've got everything but forgiveness. You can do everything but forget. Or we decide to forgive, but we do it all wrong. We decide to forgive by trying to forgive. Here's how not to forgive. Lord, I forgive. Lord, I forgive. Lord, I forgive. I'm not going to think about it. It's okay, Lord, I remember what he did. I remember what he did, but I forgive him, Lord. I forgive him. We try to forgive by calling to mind everything that everybody did to us and then actively forgiving. You're still dwelling on it. When Paul said, I forget, I forget by stretching toward what's ahead. Meaning, I can't do both at the same time. So if I want to forget what's behind, I can only do it by stretching for what's ahead. We think in order to get past what's behind, I've got to stand still until I get past it. Then I can reach for what's ahead. No! You forget what's behind by reaching for what's ahead. We spend so much time preparing ourselves. and That's nowhere in scripture. Just do it. Just do the thing. Lose yourself. Listen, the only way for you to go forward in life is to find something to lose yourself in every day. And if you don't have something to lose yourself in, you're stuck. You want to get unstuck? Get up tomorrow morning and make a decision. I'm going to do this and I'm going to lose myself in it. Part of getting unstuck is simply discovering the thing that's actually worth losing yourself in. Because you know what happens when you ain't got nothing to lose yourself in? You lose yourself in Netflix, in YouTube, scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. What are you doing when you're scrolling? Ooh, I'm going to watch this little video here. This little video that says, he never should have bullied this man's family and then it's the corniest video you ever seen but I still watch it I want to see what happens to the man <laughs> he's gonna pay for bullying the man's family it says it right there that's the title of the video I want to watch another one of those and the next thing you know you get into a a YouTube flow state, a, a Facebook flow state, where you're just in Facebook flow. Do you realize that that is what, what social media platforms are designed to do, is bring you into a flow state where you forget what's behind and stretch toward the next video, the next reel, and they created multiple means for you to do that. They, they got reels, stretch for the next reel. You don't want a reel, stretch for the next post. 
You don't want to post, stretch for the next short. You don't want a short, stretch for the next meme. You don't want a meme, here's a, video, here's a, here's a picture. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're in a state of flow, but you're flowing towards nothing. And don't get me wrong, I do it too. I'm not coming down on you. I'm preaching to my own self. But whenever that happens, I always take a step back and say, I'm flowing there because I'm avoiding some other place that I should be in flow. I need to flow. You need it. It's actually the highest state of human happiness is when you're in a state of flow. You know what the highest state of human happiness is? When you experience flow in your relationship with God. When you lose yourself in prayer, you ever experience that? And you realize, oh, hours have gone by. When you lose yourself in the meditation of scripture, you ever experience that? Man, I thought it was 15 minutes. It was actually 10 minutes. <laughs> it was three minutes. <laughs> I thought hours went by. It was like eight seconds. <laughs> That's what we tend to experience. The thing about flow is that it never happens the first time. Try it. Just go to the gym. Get on that treadmill when you haven't worked out in years. You, you are not going straight into flow on your first day. Yeah. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be a horrible experience. Yeah. And you're not going to want to come back. Yeah. But if you make a decision, this is a necessity for my life. Yeah. This will extend my life yeah. and increase the quality of my life. Yeah. It's going to increase the quality of my day. It's going to give me more energy. Yeah. It's going to make me more present with my family, so I need to do this. Yeah. Guess what happens? If you come back tomorrow, it still, it still sucks. Yeah. But at a certain point, and I'm not going to tell you how long because I don't know. It's different for different people. Something changes. Something shifts, and you begin to crave the thing that you once resisted uh -huh. yeah. because you always crave whatever you feed on consistently. And all of a sudden, and I experienced this in a small way a couple days ago where typically, you know, I go to the gym and I try to do my high-intensity interval training on the treadmill or on the bike or on the elliptical. And then, you know, I, I do my stretching and then I, I you know, I do some uh, upper body workout and then I get in the pool and I swim for about 20 minutes and I go on about my day. But this particular day, a couple of days ago, I went to the gym and I did my interval training. And then I, you know, first I did my stretching, then I did my interval training, then I did my upper body workout. And then I went and got in the pool and I'm thinking, man, I'm tired from that workout. I'm probably only going to swim for 10 minutes, but I'm thinking my goal is 20 minutes. And I just lost myself in the pool. I just lost myself. And I was, I was on a different I was in a different country, and I'm on another side of the world, and I'm envisioning great and mighty things. And the next thing I look up and I've been swimming for 40 minutes. And I was like, that's it right there. That's flow. Even though it was a 20-minute experience, that's flow. That's 20 minutes of flow. Yeah. And I guarantee, I tell you what, I had a higher level of happiness that day than I had had at any previous day. Yeah. The key is when you make a decision that you're going to forget what's behind by reaching for what's ahead, yeah. you've got to build flow. Yeah. 
in the beginning, you're stretching for what's ahead, meaning it's out of reach. The thing about what's ahead and what's behind is neither of them are in reach. You've got to stretch. And stretching is painful. Because I can't get there the first time i got to stretch, and every time I stretch, I'm getting a little bit more limber than yesterday, but I still can't get there. So i got to wake up tomorrow morning, and i got to stretch. And i got to stretch. And if I continue to stretch, all of a sudden, I begin to lay hold of things that were out of my reach yesterday, that were out of my reach last week, that were out of my reach last month. I begin to lay hold of things, but you only begin to lay hold of them by stretching, and all of a sudden you discover that you have the gift of Diane Van Buren. All of a sudden you look back and realize, I used to think about that thing every day. I haven't thought about it in about three months. Why? Because I learned how to press. I learned how to press. I learned press. You don't have to know this is precisely the thing that God has called me to do. Because some of y'all are just in a holding pattern. I'm waiting for God to speak to me, to tell me the thing that I am supposed to do with my life. And only then will I know what's in front of you right now. You might not know your ultimate goal, but you know something. Stretch toward that something. Act on the knowledge you have. God does not give you more knowledge when you haven't acted on the knowledge you have. Stretch toward what you know now. Sometimes, some of you just need to open up a piece of paper and write, what should I be stretching toward that I'm not? And here's the, the hardest part of it is somebody comes to the platform to play some nice music. Oftentimes, the reason I reach backward is to cover the anxiety that comes from knowing that I should be reaching forward, but I'm not. To numb the pain of knowing that I should reach forward, but I'm not reaching forward. The only thing that is more painful than the emotional pain that comes from pressing forward in life is the emotional pain that comes from not pressing forward in life. The only thing more painful than pursuing the thing that God has given you is not pursuing the thing that God has given you. And often we fail to pursue it because we're anticipating the pain of pursuing it. We just never anticipated the pain of not pursuing it. But when you look back over the years, you realize not doing it was far more painful for far longer than doing it. Start with your walk with God. In what way can you stretch in your walk with God? Because most believers are too comfort-centric. Yeah, I'm just not comfortable reading the Bible by myself. Just not comfortable. Just not comfortable. Forget your comfort. It's never comfortable to press forward. Stretch. 
Stretch in your marriage. Stretch towards your children. Stretch in your job. Discover your core gift and stretch for it. You got to stretch. You can't stay where you are. You got to stretch. Because if you're not stretching in any area in your life, I guarantee you, you're moving backwards. You're moonwalking your way through life, walking away from, moving away from everything that God has in store for you. God's blessings are out there, and you're moonwalking back towards the pain of your past. Stretch! Press! The way forward is forward. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to every heart divinely by the power of your Holy Spirit. Break off the lies of the enemy that keep us reaching backwards. Break off the lies of the enemy that keep us in the cycle of bitterness and unforgiveness and unbelief. That keep us rehearsing the pain of our past. And I'm not, this Lord, this is not a get over it message. There is real trauma that needs real healing. And this is not a forget your trauma and just get over it message. But in the process, in the meantime, press towards something. Reach towards something. Reach towards something. God has so many great things in store for you. All you got to do is get on the path, put your eyes to the ground, and just think left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left, lost in the running. Diane Van Buren's gift was she got lost in the running. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Nothing stopped him from running his race. He didn't turn his back on the cross because he was rejected by the Jews and threatened by the Romans and he came to his own but his own received him not. He put all that behind him and he pressed toward what was ahead of him because he knew, yes, there's a cross between me and my destiny but on the other side of the cross is the crown. On the other side of the cross is the crown and the cross is just a moment. It's just a moment. Father, strengthen and encourage Speak mightily by the power of your word and spirit today. Let there be freedom. I just sense freedom in the atmosphere right now. Freedom in the atmosphere right now. You're free to press now. You're free to reach. You're free to reach. You're not going to be bound by the stuff you used to be bound by. And you're not waiting for freedom. You're pressing. You're reaching forward now. You're reaching forward now. You're reaching forward now. Nothing to stop you. Nothing's going to stop you now. Nothing's, I don't care how many times you stumbled and fell, get up and keep going. Get up and keep going. I don't care if you broke a limb, get up and limp forward, but keep moving forward. You can't stand up, then crawl. Crawl, but keep moving forward. You can't crawl, pull yourself with your arms, but keep moving forward. Nobody's there to give you a wheelchair. Forget the wheelchair. Nothing's going to stop me from moving forward. Even if it's just an inch forward, it's forward. I'm not going to stop. And you're not going to stop. Encouragement today. Supernatural encouragement is coming to you today. In Jesus' name. Strength and encourage right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every lie of the devil that has stopped you, it stops right now. 
silenced right now in Jesus' name. You're moving forward now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.